Hi, I'm Louisa Boa-Taylor, and this is Future Food, where food trends and new technologies converge. There is a systemic change occurring in our food system. In this podcast, we speak to entrepreneurs, investors, chefs, farmers, and others defining that future. In this episode, I speak to Sophia Elizondo, the co-founder of Brightseed, which is a biotech startup using computation to discover health benefits in plants. Don't worry, Sophia does describe it much better than I can. But also in this podcast, Sophia talks about her experiences joining the food industry after several years as a consultant. We also talk about the amazing role that food can play in human health, including the common drug that we all use today that came from plants. Can you guess what it is? And we speak about how being a woman and a mother has impacted her career. Sophia is such a fun person to be around that I really enjoyed this episode and hope you do too. So thank you, Sophia, for coming in today and being on the show. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here in person. I've been doing a lot of these um, over the phone, so it's nice to actually see the person I'm talking to. It is It is uh, much nicer, as, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what did you have for breakfast today? Um, I had a bowl of fruit, a banana, and a scone. Is that your typical breakfast? Obviously, you're traveling at the moment from San Francisco. Yeah, I think it's my travel breakfast. I think scone, <laughs> scones are uh, my weakness. Um, but I usually do have fruit. Right. Maybe it's often with yogurt. Yes, mine is yogurt and fruit and granola. Yes. I'm completely obsessed and I can't ha- have anything else. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a go-to of mine as well. Right, right. Uh, so you're based in California. Yeah, San Francisco. Fantastic. Great. And so how would you describe your food preferences and some of your favorite foods? Um, you know, I actually love breakfast foods. <laughs> I find it's the ultimate comfort food. And so in all of its uh, iterations, so, um, you know, eggs and omelets mm. and cereals and yogurt. Um, I am so partial to what's fresh and whole and wholesome. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a happy morning moment. And sometimes I just stretch it out to late in the afternoon and, and right. eat, uh, breakfast foods all day for sure. Right, exactly. Brunch actually is my favorite meal because yeah. you can mix and match a yeah. lot. Yeah. And coffee. And coffee. <laughs> I discovered that after having a child. Never tried, yeah, that's right. <laughs> never tried coffee before. Um, so what was your um, background to before you founded Brightseed? Um, yeah, I started my career as a management consultant. I worked for BCG here in New York City. And I did a lot of, um, you know, deep work with pharmaceutical companies and actually product food and product companies like, um, you know, CPGs. Um, I then went to um, the United Nations for some time. I was an advisor to the UN and uh, helped them, you know, work with the private sector more effectively in big societal, you know, uh, problems and concerns, which was a wonderful kind of global perspective. I went to business school at Stanford, which was what got me um, over to California, and then joined you know Silicon Valley um, ranks. I launched and operated a couple of new business lines for tech companies, and then um, I discovered food and food tech at the time, maybe five years ago, was just emerging. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, decided to co-found Brightseed with uh, two partners. Fantastic. Okay, well, before we get into Brightseed, there's this big question I always like to ask all my guests. Can you paint a picture of what you think the future food system will look like in 2050? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, interesting. So 30 years from now, um, you know, I think for sure, we will know much more about the impact that food has on us today. You know, 
it, more or less the level of science today is like vegetables are good you know have more of that right. yeah um and and i think in 30 years from the moment we were born we're going to know exactly what what foods we should eat and for what purpose um and we are going to be able to source them and 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 you know enjoy their benefits so a lot of knowledge that is personalized that is inherent in in our genes in our microbiomes um and that is coupled with a second big trend um you know that i think will define what food will be in 30 years from now which is diversity because 15 crops today like 1/5 uh make up 90% of our calories and this is the you know the food and agricultural organization only three of them make up 60% of our calories and there are 50,000 you know edible plants out there for us to consume. Yeah. And so it's we're missing out on a lot of nutrients and on a lot, a lot of um um you know benefits that this a, di a diverse diet can bring. And so in the future we will know exactly um what to eat for what purpose and we will be able to um to source it and consume it. And why do you think there is this focus on three or 15 crops right. today and why have others been left behind? Yeah, it's a great question and I think you know it's um it has to do with the industrialization of food which you know in the past 100 years has lowered the cost of food um may you know was able to make it safe and consistent and distribute it worldwide which were giant challenges you know you know 50 years ago um but in the process we narrowed um our um sources of of food to you know major crops and eventually commodities that were you know that we could use in for several different purposes right so it's about efficiency indeed how would we get around that then i guess yeah. you know if say we tap into those many thousands yeah. um you know there's a lot of talk at the moment around local food systems yeah. um but they come with their own challenges mhm mm mhm mm and i think there is a lot more innovation that will happen uh between now and 2050 on that regard um you know the do so you think it is about local food systems and, do you think and and about you know smarter agricultural practices um different kinds of farming and harvesting practices a lot more information about what is um what are the right conditions a lot of hardware or infrastructure you know vertical farms for example you know in order to um uh plant and source you know the the um crops that are indeed desirable and uh it's a um you know it's not i'm sure the delivery system will be uh solved between now and then mm -hmm. and i guess i was thinking more about you know me as a consumer how do i get my hands on this variety mm -hmm. but what about the food companies um and the retailers how open are they do you think mm -hmm. to having all this new yeah produce? i mean great great question and it's i think even if i would think they um uh, are not if even if they're not open today they will have to be because we're moving in that direction. So we talked about industrialized food um in the agri businesses, you know, how um uh, the innovation that they will have to bridge between now and 2050, but food companies themselves um are also undergoing uh, a giant transformation and these are brand food and beverage CPG companies. Mm. Um they um you know, even in the past couple of years, turnover of CEOs has been uh has been uh, quite tumultuous and that is because they are losing the core consumer and the consumer is seeks you know health benefits local um ingredients um 
essentially seeks food that they can trust. Right. And I think that that bond has been has been broken as a you know consequence of of success really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the industry was very successful in industrializing food and beverage products and you know lost its sacred link between uh, food and nourishment and and health and joy, which was what it was always um, meant to be. Right. So in 2050, you've got consumers demanding from their food companies. They're saying, I know that there's these other thousands of, of different food products I could be eating or crops that I could be eating. They're actually, you know, making their food companies produce products based on them. Yeah. And I actually think that some of that we're already seeing today. You, you know, there's there's um, there is there are only so many uh, derivatives of corn that, you know, that can, you know, be. Um, useful products and consumers have much more appetite for, um, you know, what what used to be exotic and is now quite mainstream. Right. Ginger, turmeric, uh-huh. um, yes. uh, kombucha, you know, yeah. these, these uh, things used to be on the fringes and uh, consumers are now identifying them as vehicles for purpose driven food consumption. Right. I want to feel better about myself. I feel like I'm coming down with a cold. And so you go, you know, to a shelf uh, and you get a an immunity shot booster that has all kinds of, you know, plant-based micronutrients in it. That's that's new. And and I think that behavior, you know, attribute-driven food consumption, purpose, you know, driven food consumption will continue. Right. So we are actually in the future already. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> in it. In some ways. We just need to, yeah, exactly. And the challenge is to recognize it. Right. Yeah. And actually, we in um, the first podcast with David Friedberg, one of the companies that, well, a few of the companies in his portfolio are focused on quinoa. Mm-hmm. And as you say, I mean, that's not so ex- exotic right. now. Yeah. But um, very yeah. great for nutrition. You know, benefits. I remember growing up, you know, kale was a garnish for a steak. And it is now a superfood. <laughs> and right. so there are many, many more uh, wonderfully nourishing superfoods out there. We just need to know where to look. Right. Um, great. Okay. Well, let's get back to to your career. And so when you um, you joined the food industry, you know, why why was that? You were in other parts of technology. Why, why food tech? Yeah. Um, you know, I have always been really drawn to big, hairy, complex problems. And especially those that overlapped uh, between, you know, business imperatives and societal imperatives. And uh, food is one of, you know, such a system. You can start with um, the environment, the quality of our soil, um, the farming communities that tend to it, um, goes through very complex, you know, and, um, and expanded distribution and then reaches, you know, the most intimate part of consumer lives, you know, our kitchen tables, our families, our own bodies, and impacts our health and the healthcare system that then, you know, um, is, is, uh, is, is there to take care of us and make sure that we flourish. So food is a really immensely rich and complex. Um, it is also at the same time immensely familiar and it is just now benefiting from cutting edge technology. So I, I love this space. What, so let's talk about you um, founding Brightseed then. How did you and your co-founders come together with the concept? And well, I mean, I guess you probably should tell us what exactly Brightseed does. <laughs> yes. Um, so I've, I co-founded Brightseed with uh, Jim Flat and Lee Che. Um, we are, you know, a fantastic team, but have bring very different perspectives to the table. And um, you know, Brightseed seeks to restore that trust that consumers have lost in food 
um, we want to reconnect um, food and health. And we believe the answer lies in plants. There are all kinds of micronutrients and small molecules that plants generate that science doesn't know what they're what they do really. We only, you know, from less than 0.1% of the plant kingdom, we have derived all kinds of richness, including pharmaceuticals. Like two thirds of our drugs actually come from plants. Oh and, really? What's one? Can you give an example? Um, aspirin. If if uh, if you had a headache last night and and you know you took an aspirin that comes from the willow bark, and even you know very complex therapies like um, Taxol that is for breast cancer, um, comes from a Pacific yew tree. But they don't use those plants now to Not manufacture them. Right? Exactly. So now they manufacture synthetic versions of these. But it is it the the original source um, is is a natural compound, and and it is where it was found, and it was where it was first how it was first tested. So you can only imagine if we've only really barely scratched the surface of the richness that the natural world can deliver to humankind, um, and you know to improve our lives. At Brightseed, we bring computation, you know, to access and explore that world. It's a really hard thing to do, you know, one molecule at a time um, and, and, you know, sequentially, or it's very incremental if you don't use um, computational technology to illuminate, you know, the possibilities of what kinds of molecules plants create um, and then connect them with likely health benefits given the human biological pathways. So this is at the heart of Brightseed. We seek to reconnect consumers with the food that they trust by identifying you know, plant-based bioactives that have proven beneficial health um, impact in our bodies when we consume them. So how will consumers be consuming these then? Is yeah. it like, it's not going to be a new turmeric right. that you say is on my shelf when I've got a cold? Right. It's, uh, it, it will be incorporated in, into everyday foods and beverages. And so we partner with companies that already, you know, are in our, in our pantries and in our, you know, grocery shelves um, to transform their product into a, you know, scientifically proven source of health. Can you give me an example of what kind of product that might be, type yeah. of food or? Yeah, I, you know, um, what, what I had for breakfast this morning um, was, you know, fruits uh, and yogurt. So this could be expressed in a specific uh, uh, fruit. Um, we could have a bioactive that is found in some berries, not all of them, and, and make sure that the berries that get to your table are indeed enriched in this bioactive that they naturally produce and that I know can be healthy for me. Right. Or it can even be, you know, uh, a berry uh, derivative or a, or a berry isolate or extract that is swirled into my yogurt. Right. That I know will help me um, with my digestive system, for example. So this way I can have a breakfast that I love, you know, with the yogurt probiotics that help my microbiome and plant-based bioactive bioactives that, you know, help my digestive system in complementary ways. Fantastic. So you're imagining it's going to be incorporated into food products as opposed to you selling you know, a supplement or yeah. a powder or yeah. something. Yeah. You know, ultimately we can make it available as a supplement and a, and a powder as well. So is there a potential for you to actually kind of seed some of these discoveries to the pharmaceutical industry as well then? Yes. I mean, it's, um, the possibilities are pretty broad. Um, I'll give you an example of a compound that has, that is in our food and also a drug, um, and that is omega-3. So DHA, omega-3 fatty acids are found in fish oil. 
they're also found in algae that fish eat. Um, and so you could have, you know, a fish um, or, um, you know, algae and benefit from them in their raw form. You could also take omega-3s um, in a capsule. So when I was pregnant, um, I, you know, would have take supplements um, that ensured, you know, the healthy brain and eye development of, of my baby. And those, um, you know, come in supplement form. Omega-3 DHA is also found in milk on the shelf in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Because they, you know, um, incorporate it as a benefit that can be delivered in everyday foods and products. Mm -hmm. Omega-3 DHA is also, in its most concentrated form, a drug that helps uh, cardiovascular disease. And so it's a, it can span the gamut between being in a raw form in algae or fish um, and becoming a pharmaceutical in the other end of the spectrum. The distinction between what is a drug and what is pharma and what is food and what is just like, you know, healthy um, or what is food and what is not healthy. It's actually pretty artificial. It's very modern. Um, our bodies don't know the difference, right? We just ingest and react. And so imagine a food system where what we ingest is proactively making us healthier, more robust, um, keeping us, you know, in balance with our own natural body processes. And, you know, instead of letting our you know current diet spiral our own health systems to a point where we need a drug intervention mm -hmm. so why haven't uh, i mean are there are there bright seeds out there i'm wondering why there hasn't been more discovery done on this before is it that the technology has not been there you mentioned the use of mm. computation which maybe you can explain that a bit but that's around you know using some artificial intelligence and, and big data but is that you know because was there a lack of that technology meaning that other players haven't been doing this yeah, I think, you know, I think you're right. This is not, this is not technology that has been here for a long time. Um, so that is one aspect of it. Um, you know, we can now have the computational power uh, to um, essentially compute all of, all of these data elements. We also have the robotics and the technology to create these data, because if we don't have information to process, then, then there is, it's, it's impossible to draw insights from it. So there have been, um, you know, advances, technological advances that have allowed us to do this now. Um, I think another barrier or another reason why, why I don't think there are a lot of other bright seats out there is that the industrial pharmaceutical world um, goes to synthetic libraries for solutions, essentially chemical compounds that are built in a lab. So we are, have gone far from looking at nature, herbs and tinctures, you know, to, to identify, you know, what, what can be done to improve our health. And the most advanced discovery technology has traditionally been housed in the pharma, in the pharma space. And so what Brightseed is, is it's cross-fertilizing technology that is used in some industries, applying it to biology essentially computational biology coming to bear in the food industry, which is novel for, for food. Right, exactly. Okay, so when can we expect to see some bright seed, fermented, no, fortified, I don't know how to describe it, products? <laughs> so uh, it's, we're, we're establishing partnerships right now okay. with the food industry, um, you know, ingredient providers, um, uh, agri, uh, agriculture companies, food and beverage production companies, 
um, that are using Brightseed and Brightseed's capabilities in partnership with them to identify what is it there in nature that is valuable for their consumers mm -hmm. um, and incorporate into their products. Very exciting. So before we... Um... One, one more thing is that Brightseed also discovers bioactives ourselves that we take to market. Um, and so in... Uh, our first discovery was in metabolism and, and helping our bodies kind of process excess fats uh, that the Western diet, you know, is has has placed all around us. And so our first um, our first lead is currently in development and will be available in products as early as 2020. Is this going to be a magic pill to help me shed, my, <laughs> shed my baby weight? <laughs> no, and you know, no such thing. But uh, but and it's uh, it's it's complex. You know, chronic chronic disease is complex, but it will be something that is um, um, all natural and that helps your body do what it does best. And it's not um, uh, which is you know keep us healthy and in balance. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we were talking just before we started recording about our babies. That's right. Or no longer babies, toddlers. <laughs> um, and obviously, I can't help but notice you're a woman, which is brilliant. <laughs> there aren't a huge amount of uh, women entrepreneurs in tech um, or food and agriculture. Um, how has that been for you? Have you noticed that? Has that, has that impacted um, your working life? Um, I have noticed I'm a woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is not uncommon that I'm the only woman on a table and uh, or a, or a meeting. But you know, I think the key is to surround yourself with great people, and I think this applies to you know across you know genders. But if you have the right partners, the right investors, the right co-founders. Um, it is, it is, you know, any challenge is surmountable. And I have certainly benefited from that, you know, people ecosystem around me um, through my, you know, early parenting as well. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I like to do a hot or not round uh, with guests, okay. various different food trends. So you can just say if you think they're hot or not. Fermented foods. Hot. We talked about that earlier with kombucha and things. Gluten-free? Not. Why not? Um, I don't think the problem is gluten. I think the problem is our sensitive immune systems. And I think we will find things, for example, in plant bioactives that Brightseed is looking at that will you know, support our immune systems um, so that they're not sensitive to foods that they shouldn't be and that they historically have not been. Oh, great. I can eat much more bread. Yes. Um, plant <laughs> <And> scones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Plant-based meat? Um, ish. I would say plant-based protein is real. Um, plant-based meat, it may pass, but um, we will, we will, you know, it will remain a... A, a trend to stay, a shift to stay, which mm -hmm. is a plant-based uh, protein for sure. Robotic cafes. Oh. Um, you have one <clears> in San Francisco. That's right. I have walked by it there. Um, not. Is that because you you like the service? Yeah. Um, the barista? You're right. I think, I think I do. I think there's something about, you know, human connection. Um, and right now, it's very cool to see a robotic arm. I think it'll be 
you know, 10 years from now, we will be super trite. <laughs> and so we'll <laughs> probably have, you know, something else that we think is cool 10 years from now. But the, the robotic uh, arm itself is, is probably yeah. going oh, to pass. Or we want our kids to have a job in the local coffee shop and there it's, won't be one. No, they, they, <laughs> they will be programming the robots. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, what about alcohol-free drinks? And what I mean is, you know, this trend around creating stuff that tastes like booze but isn't booze. Um, hot. I think I think that is part of an increasing and undeniable awareness of health and, you know, consumers knowing people just knowing, you know, what makes them feel good and not and making proactive decisions in, in the direction that makes them feel good mm -hmm. and the industry responding to that. Um, insects. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe not. I'm thinking maybe not. That's right. That's right. I'm thinking not. Um, and then, I mean, this one's kind of obvious, but CBD infused. Oh, hot stuff. Um, hot and an example of what, you know, plant-based compounds can do for our food system. You know, C CBD cannabis is only one out of 50,000 plant species that humans have a history of consumption for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what else is out there that can have... Um, uh, compounds that are beneficial for health? And the answer is a lot of things. And they're not, they don't have to be that exotic. We don't have to go to the Amazon and bring a, you know, a, a Brazilian flower um, into our everyday diets. It is already in the supply chains that, that we have. And there may be just byproducts or waste streams or, you know, considered not uh, okay to consume. Right. And so has the cannabis and hemp plant, have, has a lot of research been done on that in terms yeah, of bio? Bioactive. Is CBD a bioactive? It's, it is. Right. Okay. So it's a, a, a bioactive compound is, um, you know, a, it's essentially when we consume food, we have calories from it. But sometimes we start, we have, you know, other biological processes that light up. And so those are called bioactives. Okay, well, we're nearly running out of time, but I would love to ask you um, a bit about what, you know, thinking about coming into this industry, and you are a woman, as we <laughs> discovered, um, you know, what advice would you give to a graduate or someone else thinking of coming into food tech today? Call us. <laughs> are you hiring? We are. We are hiring. Oh, we're, great. we're growing for sure um, in hiring both in the science side and the business side. Um, I think, you know, my advice will be uh, look for companies that you admire and, and um, you know, seek to work with them and uh, work really hard. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, AgFunder is one of your investors, mm -hmm. so we're obviously your favorite. But uh, <laughs> can, you, uh, can you talk about any of your other investors yes. and, that you admire? Absolutely. I, you know, we're lucky to be funded by um, fantastic investors, Horizons Ventures, uh, Continental Grain Ventures, um, S2G, um, 50 Years Germinate. These are funds that are not only food investors or ag investors, but that they see the intersection of technology, of health, and of food, um, and are willing to you know, support companies that, that are pioneering in that, in that field. And, and the fundraising process, um, 
yeah, I mean, obviously this is a, such an incredible company, so I, I, I hope it was easy-ish, but you know, <laughs> it is a new topic, as you mentioned, for some of these investors. How was that educational piece? You know, great, it's it's actually a great observation because it's not, it wasn't a slam dunk. Um, there are a lot of food investors that are, you know, thought, you know, this is a little too far out on the science. We do computational biology, we do artificial intelligence, uh, you know, that's it's a little too much R&D uh, for their comfort. And on the other hand, there were health investors or, or bio-focused um, investors that thought, you know, if you want to monetize in food, this is not the business model that we follow. We, we, you know, we back companies that monetize drugs. And so we did have to find, you know, where is this overlap of people who believe, like we do, that food and health will collide. And these are two industries that today are separated. But tomorrow, food will be the source of our health. And the imperative for the industry is to make low-cost nutrition as abundant as low-cost calories. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great place to finish. <laughs> so inspiring. Thank you so much for, um, for coming. It was lovely. Great to see you, Louisa. Yeah, great to see you. You've been listening to Future Food with me, Louisa Burwood-Taylor. For news and insights on the food tech and ag tech industries, go to agfundernews.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.